name's Chris. Um, I am a pastor to college students at Wake Forest, Go Deeks, and I'm really grateful to be here. Love Redeemer and love being part of this church. Uh, a special welcome to you if this is your first time here or one of your first times here or your first time in a long time. Um, there's a lot of things you can be doing on Sunday morning and you're here and so acknowledge that and um, we're hoping that God will meet with us and that he will give us something good this morning. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. It's going to be on the screen. Um, one of these eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life right here at the very beginning. But what our senior pastor, Giorgio, has been doing is he's been talking to us uh, about Redeemer's philosophy of ministry. And a philosophy of ministry is just our guiding sort of principles and how we do things as a church. And um, part of our philosophy of ministry is these presuppositions or assumptions. These are things that we assume to be true. We hold these truths to be self-evident uh, at Redeemer. And like, for example, that God is at work. Um, before we do anything as a church, we acknowledge God is already doing something. So when we go to do something, God is already up to something. And when we show up there, that he might do transformative, amazing things. So we come into things expectant. Um, one of our uh, presuppositions we're going to look at this morning, um, and it's that Jesus is in the world and for the world. So therefore, we are in the world and for the world. Redeemer, what we, the, one of these truths we hold to be self-evident is that we are not afraid of the world as a church. We are not against the world. We don't separate ourselves out from the world, from the things that are going on there and, and huddle up over here. But as a church, we are in the world and for the world's flourishing. Um, and the question for us this morning is why? If you're going to hold something to be self-evident and want it to be germane to who you are as a, as a community, um, we should have a good reason for doing so. And so our passage this morning from John 1 is, uh, is that reason. And the reason why we as a church are in and for the world is because Jesus is in and for the world. And what a church is, is a church is, is Jesus people doing Jesus things together. Um, so I'm going to read this passage for us, and then we will explore how Jesus is in and for the world. What the, by the way, what this isn't going to be is I'm going to read the passage, and then I'm going to give you a lot of strategy and technique for how to be in and for the world, and we're going to leave with our bag full of strategy. We're really just going to talk about Jesus and how he is and how we get to imitate him and, li and live like him. So if you want more strategy, ask Giorgio. He's got it. <clears throat> in the beginning was the word. This is a word, logos means like grand idea or sort of like animating reality of all the universe. In the beginning was this big idea that made everything. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He, the word's a he, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He doesn't say how anything was made that wasn't made, but we'll just set that aside for now. In him was life, and the life was the light of humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from John, from God, whose name was John. 
It's very confusing because it's not the same John writing this book. A lot of people name John in the Bible. It's hard to keep them all straight. This one is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, so this word, this one that's come into the world, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So he didn't just come because we made him up or wanted him to happen, but he came from God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, I thank you for this time to share together with my sisters and brothers. We thank you for your word, which is life. Uh, doesn't feel like life often, um, but Lord we, Lord, we come to you again, and we ask that you would give us life, that you would give us light. Lord, we often feel like our lives are a dark room, and the things that we had planned, now we don't know how to do them. We're afraid of what might be out there that we can't see. We're afraid that we'll never find the way. And Lord Jesus, you are the light of the world. And that means that you can show up to us and you can light up our darkness and light up our dark places. So Lord, we pray that you would do that. I thank you for every story and life that is here and pray that you would meet with each of us now as we explore your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you are in this world and you're for this world. We pray in your name. Amen. So, this might seem obvious um, to you if you've been in church. Um, this was actually obvious to me. I didn't grow up in the church. I, didn't, I only went to church like maybe for, for a wedding or something like that until I was an adult. But I knew because I grew up in a society that was pretty familiar with Christianity that like if I say God came into the world, God became a human being and came into the world, this sounds fairly like normal and pedestrian to us. Yeah, of course, this seems like an obvious thing that God would do because this is what we know Jesus has done, but it wasn't always the case. For folks that would have been getting this gospel, there was an idea that God shows up and does amazing and miraculous things in the world, but he's always very distinct from the world. 
that God, as the scripture says, dwells in unapproachable light. Um, kind of like if, uh, if you're broken down on the side of the road and then a, it's nighttime and a car starts pulling up to you and there's these terrible LED headlights now that it's like just fit to blind everybody else on the road and they're, they're pulling up and you're like, ah, you know, like I, I can't get any closer or if a police car pulls you over, I think it's a tactic that they use to intimidate you with the bright lights and uh, that wasn't a police statement, that was just a lights statement. Um, <laughs> But, you know, there's this sense of, like, something can be in this light that's so overpowering that you can't move toward it. The way that folks were understanding how God is is that he dwells in this unapproachable light, that we can't even see him. He's so bright that instead of moving toward God, you would shrink away, that you would feel small, that you would feel like you were being undone if you moved toward God. And that's kind of what we see at the beginning of the passage, that the word was with God, was God, made everything. Light shines in the darkness. The darkness can't overcome it. But then John goes on. Like, John 1 is one of these passages of of the Bible that we can really just say, like, I'm going to take 15 minutes and read these 18 verses and just let each of them do its work. John is unrolling, unraveling this thing about God. He's setting up, yes, God dwells in unapproachable light. He's big. He's other. And then he says in verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And so we're like, okay, yeah, maybe he's going to be really shiny and scary. He came into the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. You're like, how could the world not know this bright light? And he goes on to put it even more plainly in, in verse 14. The word became flesh. The, world, the Word became a human. That unapproachable light, that grand idea that created everything has now become a human being and dwelt among us. The Word there is tabernacle. That like God used, God's people used to set up a tent and then God's presence would come and live in the tent and they could approach the tent very, very carefully if they did the right things. What he's saying is that God is now and taken on, the, taken on the tent of a human body and a human existence and lived with us. The unapproachable light has approached us. He moved into the neighborhood. And this is really, even though this might seem sort of obvious in like a Christian context, it's really, really important to... Um, to ponder God coming to us in this way, because it, answer, it answers a really important question for us, which is why do some people know God? Why do some people believe in Jesus? Why do some people have faith and other people don't? Um, if you start to really try to answer that question, it can become really, uh, sound very judgy very fast. You're like, well, some people are just more spiritually attuned than others, and so they pick up the signals easier than others. Or some people are very wise, and out of their great wisdom, they come to know God. But if you spend time with Christian people, like myself, um, you will discover that these are not the collection of the most spiritual, the most spiritually attuned. It's not the collection of the wisest people in the world. But you may, this is what I thought my whole life. I was like, well, yeah, it's exactly the opposite. People that are naive 
and people who are uh, who have no sense of how things really are run to God. Um, and they come up with these ideas about God, but that's not true either if you spend time with Christian people. Because indeed, some of the wisest and most spiritually attuned and gracious and kind and loving people that I know are people in this very room. So why is it the case that kind of no matter who we are, some people know Jesus and some people don't? Um, And that's because... God approaches us. The light of the world, He comes to us. He moves into our darkness. And He did that by becoming a human being. Philippians chapter 2 says that Jesus, who is God, didn't count being God and all the benefits of being God something to grasp onto, but laid it aside. I cannot think of something that's more inconvenient. Like yesterday, we went to the Wake Forest game. By the way, our presupposition was that the weather was going to be nice. It was a false presupposition um, because the weather was not nice, and there was lightning, and we were stuck in a tunnel, the tunnel that goes from the parking lot to the stadium, and it was filling up quickly with water. Um, When we got into the tunnel, it was raining lightly. When we got out of the tunnel, I thought, this is it, you know? Um, uh, I, chose, I opted into loving the Deeks, and this is what it got me. Um, but so, you know, we ended up drying out and going home, and I had my three girls with me. Two of them were like, I'm good. I'm gonna, I was like, you want to go back to the game? They're like, no, 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 I'm good. Um, why would I want to enter back into all that nightmare that we just went into? Um, like, imagine Jesus. He is God, Father, Son, Spirit, Living in light and love and beauty. And like, I don't know what your week has been like. This hasn't been my best week ever. Um, Even if this has been your best week ever, it was still pain. And there was still anger and sadness and lack of forgiveness. And there was an earthquake in Morocco last night and killed thousands of people. Like, why would someone want to enter that? Like, Jesus is the only person that opted in. To humanity so far. But hold that question. Like, why would he want to do that? Because he became intimately familiar with what it's like to be a human being and not just the good parts. This is part of what's amazing in verse 10 and 11. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Jesus became a human being, and it was kind of like, he showed up, and people were like, seems sort of familiar. Like, I know this guy from somewhere, but not really. Like, Ryan Newcomb told me before the first service that he saw a guy walking in our neighborhood, and he was wearing a dash hat. It was 7.30 in the morning, which should have clued him in that it was not me, um, but he said he rolled down his window. He's like, hey, Chris, you're not Chris. Um, it's like, there was something about you, but actually you're not the person that I thought after all. Jesus enters the world and people go, I, I don't know. I'm not sure who this person is. And actually, not just that we didn't know him, but that we didn't receive him. That the light of the world came into the world and we said, I don't, I feel exposed by that. 
Um, if you've ever stayed in a hotel, it's very hard to run a hotel, it seems like. Um, there are so many variables that work against people sleeping well in general, but especially in a hotel. We spend some time in hotels this summer, and there's always like an alarm clock or like a microwave that seems very like dim when the lights are on, and then when you turn the lights off, it's like it's pounding into your eyeballs, um, and you can't sleep because of, the, because of the alarm clock light. So you try to flip it over, but then it reflects off the surface of the bedside table, and eventually you pile pillows on top of it just so that you can sleep, and you pay them money for this experience. Um, Jesus comes and shows up in the world, and our response was like, I'm having trouble sleeping with you here. And we piled pillows on him. Um, again, even if you don't know a lot about Christianity, you know that Christians believe that God became a human being and died the cross. And this really interesting detail happens um, in the Gospels where when Jesus is on the cross, it's the middle of the day, it's like noon time, and the world becomes nighttime that the sun disappears and it becomes darkness covers the land. Because Jesus is, the light of the world is descending into darkness. And then if that wasn't dark enough, we then took him, it's like, if, if covering up the alarm clock wasn't good enough, we took the alarm clock and put it in the mini fridge, right? They sealed Jesus in a tomb in complete darkness. And then this beautiful thing happened because Verse 5 is true of Jesus, is that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome the light. Jesus bursts forth from death. The, the darkest possible place you can be is in the grave. It's not going to get any darker than that. And yet, the light of the world shines even in that dark place. And the reason why, I told you to hold that question in your mind, why would Jesus opt in to this world? Why would he enter this world? And that's because he's for this world. Jesus is not angry about the world. He's not coming to cast, you know, chiefly to cast judgment on the world. He enters the world. God, Jesus actually says a couple of chapters later in John that the reason why he's here is because God loves the world so much. God is infatuated with this world and infatuated with you and so he enters into this world to do good, to be for us. Jesus came to give himself for us. It says he laid aside those privileges of being God and took up the form of a servant, suffering death, even death on a cross, so that we can have eternal life. Jesus has come not to just point the way to God, but to actually light up our darkness um, I, I know enough people in the room and have had enough conversations already today to know that it feels like there are many very dark places in our lives and in our stories, places that feel very confusing and hopeless. And Jesus shines in our life not to simply expose those things and say, look at them, look how bad they are. But he comes to help us to walk in the light. Because as our little brothers and sisters were saying, when it's dark in the room, you can't move around. But when light fills the room, we can move around. We can see where things are. You get up to go to the bathroom in the hotel and you've already covered up the alarm clock light. 
you're going to step on somebody because there's five of you and you only buy one hotel room because they're very expensive, right? Um, you're going to trip on them, you're going to hurt them and hurt yourselves. And so we either just say, screw it, we're going to hurt whoever it takes, or we just don't move. And Jesus comes to show us everything. But what's most poignant about that is that Jesus comes to show us God. Verse 18 says, no one has ever seen God. Which you're like, well, ha, of course, he doesn't exist. Why would anyone see him? He's like, no, no one's seen God because the fact that we can see things is part of the world that God created for us to live in. Like, he doesn't need to be seen. He's beyond even seeing. But Jesus came, and no one's ever seen God, but he has made him known. That when we see Jesus and he comes into our life and he approaches us, we can actually interact with and see God. That the light shines and we can see God, we can see ourselves, we can see everything. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote Chronicles of Narnia. It's pretty great. Uh, you know, he said, I believe in Christ like I believe that the sun has risen. Not just because I can see it, but because by it I can see all things. And this sounds weird, but like when I was coming to faith, I went to RUF, who I work for now, and they were talking about like sin and like, hey, there's this thing about humans and like we do a lot of like really destructive stuff that we often don't really want to do. And then all the really good and beautiful stuff, we find it really difficult to do. And I was like, thank God somebody told me about that. It sounds like that's really bad news. And I was like, this is great. I suddenly can understand myself and all the people that I've ever met because God's light shone and said like, hey, like we're not just great. And it's not just a failure because we can't figure it out. We need God. And I was like, whatever God said he's going to do about that, I'm for it. God shines into our light. A light has dawned on a people that walked in darkness. And that now we have the right to become children of God. We have the right to be his children. That's what he has shown us. By light. If you turn on the light in my hotel room, you see I have kids in there. Jesus turns on the light in the hotel room and says the Father has kids in here. That you don't just get to be in the Father's house, you get to be his child. And a good father, the good father, he watches out for us. So, so what now? Um, you're like, that's very interesting, thank you. Uh, historical presentation on Jesus and what he's done. Jesus is in and for the world. Um, but the good news and what's actually really wild is that Jesus is still in and for the world. He's in and for the world in you, if you know Jesus that everything that he was doing before, he is now doing in and through you in the world, through his people. Jesus in John 20 prays for his friends and he blows on them, which is a weird thing to do. Um, and they receive the Holy Spirit, God, in them. And he says, I'm sending you out into the world. And that's what he does now. Because Jesus showed us God the invisible God, the God that dwells in unapproachable light. He approached us and showed us exactly how he is. And now he enters people's lives so that when people meet Jesus' people, they get to see God. 
And again, if you know Christian people, you're like, that sounds low-key impossible. And yet, this is what he is doing. Jesus showed us God. He died that we might live. If we know Jesus, we show the world God, and we die so that others may live. We die to our own sense of convenience. We, we die often to, even to our greatest dreams for ourselves because Jesus is at work and shining through his life. Um, now, this is the point in the sermon that if you've been in church for a while, you're like, he already set me up with everything God did, and he's going to be like, and you should do that too, and you should feel bad if you don't do it. And we're going to try to avoid doing that today. And instead, say, if this is true, if God is doing things in you beyond what you could imagine, beyond what you feel capable of, you get to go out and be in the world. And you get to give Jesus to the world. Um, I have these stickers. I have some out there. And um, you can have one if you want. And it's a sticker of a food truck. You guys ever been to a food truck? Okay. And it's, the food truck says RUF on it. Because what RUF is, is RUF is the food truck of the church. Food truck goes places. Okay, a brick and mortar um, restaurant says, we got some really good stuff. You should come visit us sometime. We'll give you 15% off your first order. Um, what a food truck does is a food truck goes to the concert. It goes to the fair. It goes to WrestleMania. It goes to many places that the church doesn't, that, that restaurants don't go. And it says, I want to bring this food to you. Now, what's cool about RUF and doing this at, at Wake Forest is that we uh, come and I say, I have a limited menu. Um, I can serve you food um, and be here with you, but there's some even a more extended menu, and they got it at Redeemer, they got it at Salem, because they got this table, uh, and it's beautiful, and you want to, if you, if you like this, you're going to love that. It's part of what's being beautiful about going out into the world is that you get to take something good with you. I love being on campus, and the beautiful thing about being on campus is I get to be in their place. And I'm not asking them to come to my place. Jesus didn't just hide and say, come and seek me until you find me. Jesus said, you're hiding, and I know exactly where you are, and I'm going to come seek you until I find you. And that means that you don't have to hide either. And a church doesn't have to hide either. Jesus is still in the world because he's in you, and he's still for the world. And that just, all that means is this. You get to be for the world. You get to enjoy the world. Is the world full of dangerous obstacles? Yes, of course. But it's also full of so many beautiful places and so many beautiful people to go and to enjoy their life and to let yourself in many ways become like them. Because you have something to offer. That you have, if you know Jesus, you have a light in you that can never go out. That can never even be put out by death. Jesus said you don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. You let it shine. It's a good light. It's a healing light. It's a light that loves the world. 
Um, one of my favorite things, this is, this is it, this is the end. Um, one of my favorite things when I got to go back to working with RUF last year and go to Wake Forest was, uh, Wake Forest is a very beautiful place, by the way. If you've never been, you should go. It's the most beautiful campus that I've ever been on. And every day I go to work, I'm like, I can't believe I get to be here. Like, they haven't figured out yet that I'm here. And when they do, they'll be like, wait a second. You're not supposed to be here. But they even gave me an office. It's crazy. Um, but I took my, my little girls out there. I remember it was the first week of, of school at, at Wake. And, um, but my girls hadn't started school yet, so they had to do something. So we went to campus. And the quad is this beautiful place. But part of what's great about the quad is that everybody's there. And um, everyone's interacting there. And I would say to my girls, you can go wherever you want to on this quad. Have a great time. Just stay on the quad where I can see you. Now, they loved going to the store with the iPads. That's where they spent the most time. It was like, how do they find the, it's like a magnet. Um, they find the screen and go to it. Um, it was a place that I felt like I could set my girls free to be in this place. But also, I didn't just do that, even with its inherent dangers, um, just because. I did that because I actually believe that they, are, they have something good for that place. That just their presence, their joy, uh, their beauty and light is a gift to that place. And I didn't want to put that light under a basket. So I said, y'all go out there and just be awesome. Because you're good for it. You have something good for this place. And what Jesus is, invites us into if we know him is to go out with that which is good and to enter the space and to love it. Uh, let's pray. Um, Lord, we, um, we take a moment now with you to ask you to show each of us where we get to go and what's good in you that we get to offer. Lord Jesus, grace and truth have come through you. Lead us into these places with joy. You love, we love you, but not nearly like you love us. And Lord, we love the world, but not nearly like you do. And so Lord, fill us up, even as we come to this table, any of us that come by faith, even today, come by faith to this table, Lord, you fill us up with something good for the world. So Lord, would you fill us up so that we can be in the world and for it. We pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.